0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wi-Fi Now TV in association with RCR Wireless News. My name is Klaus Hetting, and I'm your host. On this show, we've got David Morgan, CEO of Bandwidth, the parent company of Republic Wireless. He's going to talk about Wi-Fi First Bandwidth, sorry, Republic, of course, the original Wi-Fi First service provider in the United States. He's coming up in just a moment. Also, Frederick Youngerman of t Fisher. He is, to my knowledge, the world's foremost telco efficiency expert. And we're going to talk to him about how carriers are using Wi-Fi to boost their businesses around the world or not. So join us right after this message.
1: Nexius, accelerating network and business transformation.
0: Telecom Careers, the number one global telecom and wireless job board. TelecomCareers.com. All right, all right, everybody. Welcome back to Wi-Fi Now TV. Today, as I mentioned, we've got David Morkin on the show, and we're going to interview him in just a second. A little bit later, uh, coming up in the show, uh, Frederick Youngerman of T. Fission, a great analyst. Before we do that, I just want to point out a couple of things to you. And the first thing is my own personal plug. It's Wi-Fi Now, the conference coming up in Amsterdam this 17th to 19th of November. If you have not made plans to come to that conference in one of the great cities in Europe, do it now. Go to Wi-Fi Now, events.com slash Europe. Check out our program. All of the European Wi-Fi industry will be there. Lots of people from other countries. I want you to go after the show, sorry, after that conference, you will not only have had a great time, you will also be enlightened. So. Please make sure you register for that. Also, uh, my LinkedIn group is called Wi-Fi Now Forum. We've got about 4,000, a little bit more than 4,000 great Wi-Fi enthusiasts on that group. I want you to go to LinkedIn, search on that, and join the group. There's lots of debates, discussions, analysis, news items every day. It's a great community in there. And please join it if you, uh, if you apply. I'll approve it immediately. So make sure you don't miss those two things. All right, on to our first guest, David Morgan, CEO of Bandwidth, the parent company of Republic Wireless. David, welcome to the show. Thank you, Klaus. Great to be here. Good to see you, David. And uh, maybe you can start by telling us, of course, Republic Wireless was the original. I don't know if you know, if you, if you like the term Wi-Fi first, I tend to call it that because most people understand it. But it's the original Wi-Fi First uh, service provider ever, I think. Where did you get the idea uh, for creating such a, such a service provider? Can you tell us about that?
1: Uh, well, first of all, I think Wi-Fi uh, First as a, a label is is terrific. It appropriately identifies the way that our service works. We always want to use Wi-Fi if available. And the reason that it came about was simply because we recognized all, all around us Wi-Fi was emerging and prevalent and faster and better, and why didn't our Android phones natively on, on the handset utilize Wi-Fi for calling and texting? And the answer was that the OEMs hadn't built the phones for the network providers to have recourse to Wi-Fi natively. Um, and so we forked Android, partnered with Motorola, launched in 2011. I think we were about uh, a month before Free.fr in France. Um, but. Uh, It was really just recognition that Wi-Fi was something we were using much of the time.
0: Right. And and now, of course, a number of other companies have had the same thought. But tell us uh, maybe a a few things about what you've learned over the past, what, three, four years? You launched in 2011.
1: We did. We launched in 2011 and we've learned a number of things, Uh, chief among them probably Include handsets are very, very important. We've had a limited number of handsets we've been able to use because we have initially we've had to get into the ROM and make sure we could switch radios. So handsets are very, very important. Another critical factor we learned was handover between Wi Fi and cellular had to be seamless. You could not have um, a five second delay in a call or a ring back, a clunky ring back experience. Users demanded after we initially launched with a delay. Uh, handover that wasn't seamless they demanded that calls be uninterrupted and that codecs be normalized so that call quality upon handoff was unchanged and we were able to achieve that after another couple of years of great work Um, so handover needs to be seamless handsets are important and you still have to have a, a good set of handsets and so we have a good better and a best handset but those are two key learnings and then i guess a third class would just be handover from wi-fi to cellular is terrific but we've we've found that going back from cellular to Wi-Fi is equally important. And we've achieved an additional 9% of handover success to Wi-Fi by enabling that path in a seamless fashion, which was an explosively large number for us on top of the handover numbers that we were already achieving.
0: Right. So you're using your own in-house technology to uh, facilitate these handovers, is that correct? This is something you've developed. That's correct, it's all in house right and and can you tell me something about uh how things are going on the uh on the market side i mean i I read somewhere I think it was yesterday that the average uh the average uh, price of a republic wireless uh, plan, if you can call it that, is is less than fifteen dollars. So it's way below what a lot of people in the United States pay. They pay maybe more, up to a hundred dollars. So potentially there's yeah. a big market for that. And but how do you see the market developing for this?
1: That's right. I think it's fourteen dollars and seventy eight cents, perhaps. Um, and that's a reflection of using Wi Fi and um, and how important Wi Fi is. I will say that even as our ARPU's go down, our profitability has actually improved as we continue to enjoy Wi-Fi networks rising. So we're a, a, we're big fans of lowering total cost of ownership. That's our mission. That's what we want to do. Um, and so our plan is actually $10 base plan, all you can eat, talk and text, and then $15 a gig. And then we refund you any amount that you don't use. And so it's really only pay for what you use
0: so so how do you see for example the entrance of Google into this market I mean I, I would I'm just guessing but I think it may have raised awareness generally speaking of the availability of these it might actually help you in, the, in, in fact.
1: yeah and that, and that that's a great question Klaus and you also asked about marketing and I failed to answer that so we haven't mm-hmm. spent any money of any significance on marketing and have grown significantly doubling subscribers twice last year we're still below half a million subscribers in the US. Our focus is on the product, and when we think we've got the product nailed, then we'll shift to scale. But we're still learning so much, and our you know we've we've got over 30 patents in the U.S. on technology that's very novel, that's important to get right, and so that's that's really the focus more than uh, spending on customer acquisition yet. That time will come, and when it does, um, we'll have our work cut out for us. But hopefully, the value of the product will speak for itself. Project Phi. You know it's it's always good to have additional folks in the vanguard challenging the status quo so i applaud what they've done um they don't have seamless handover yet or handover even back into wi-fi but i'm sure they'll get there and they'll do it in a novel way because they're google um so we know that team we admire that team and we welcome them the water's warm and we're glad they're joining us
0: yeah great so uh so so can you say something about the potential side i mean size of the market, I mean I, I mean I suppose everybody in the United States would like to pay fifteen dollars for for their uh, mobile subscription, yeah, this, because well,
1: listen, yeah I, I admire Frederick's work and to fish and, and follow closely the work that they do, and I think some of the numbers really speak for themselves, and I'll, I'll add to some of that knowledge. You know, on our subscriber handsets, we're seeing more than 90% of all IP packets transiting Wi-Fi, not cell. Over 90% of all SMS are now over IP, Wi-Fi or cell IP, but all over IP for us almost, and approaching 50% of all of our calls are now over Wi-Fi specifically. So, how large is the market, Klaus? I think the way we the way we think more and more about cellular is not just cellular second; it's really just cellular when you're moving. If you're yes. transient, you have cellular. But the moment you stop, um, it's just much more frequent that you're going to have Wi-Fi. So I think the sky's the limit, um, and Wi-Fi will continue to have quite uh, a lot of upside.
0: So right, so we're basically talking about you need your cellular connection when you're on the street or in your car, essentially, and even in the car is being challenged, right? So one of the other service providers says you know more than 90% of the time, probably that number is even increasing, right?
1: it is and with the advent of super cheap storage what we're seeing are folks binge watching entire seasons of content using the storage on their device and so between storage costs coming so far down and wi-fi rising cellular i think it's relegated to a supporting position worldwide
0: absolutely i couldn't agree with you more i like that (laughs) i like that vision anyway um i wanted to ask you about project salsa because uh, the handoff from cellular to Wi-Fi, as you also just mentioned, is uh, is um, is a lot harder than from Wi-Fi to cellular. I hope I got the order correct there. You so did. this is again this is again your proprietary technology at bandwidth that, that you're developing to uh, facilitate two-way handover. If you like, can you tell us uh, us a little bit about the status of the Salsa project and what what you're seeing?
1: Yeah, the Salsa project was really how we build product at Republic. It's collaborative, it's community-based. We don't come out from behind the green curtain with a magic trick that we've designed ourselves. We work really hard with our customers, and so we invited thousands and thousands to test drive with us and perfect the algorithm for cellular back to Wi-Fi. And it is hard, and it is very different, because you end up in a circumstance where your algorithm, uh, initially for us, would ping-pong us back and forth between Wi-Fi and cellular, and that's not helpful. It's not what we want. So thousands and thousands of nationwide subscribers had a a version of our software on their phone um, or in many cases had a a specific purpose-built phone to perfect Salsa. And what it has yielded, uh, again, are an additional nine percentage points of overall offload onto Wi-Fi for our voice calls. That's a tremendous number on -hmm. top of what we're already achieving. But it took us, I got to tell you, Klaus, the better part of a year or more to get it right. And we're continuing to monitor now across hundreds of thousands of users the patterns of behavior, the call quality, and, and continue to improve it. And that's where a lot of the secret sauce is, are in the trades, the trade secret stuff that only comes from the big data learning. Um, so we'll, we'll get better and better. We suck less every day was our original slogan. And, uh, and Salsa, our, our community members, have really helped us do that.
0: Yeah, excellent. And this is actually uh, handoffs from Circuit switched cellular, as I understand it, to Wi-Fi, right? Which doesn't, which certainly does not, at least in my mind, make it any easier.
1: We we can do both, and circuit switched voice to Wi-Fi is tough.
0: Right, right, exactly. So tell me what you think is going to happen in the future. Are the big carriers going to catch on to this? Because right now, you guys, okay, half a million subscribers, not quite, uh, still growing a lot. As as I understood from what you said before. Yeah. Um, but, in terms of the big numbers out there in the market, are they concerned about they They obviously must be concerned about this. When are they going to catch on and start doing something similar, do you
1: think, or if, or will they? One of their plans may be to really push LTEU in an unfriendly way on the unlicensed spectrum. That's, that's a concern for a lot of folks, us included. Um, we, we partner with Sprint and with another carrier in the U.S. that we haven't announced yet, but we have two agreements now with cell providers to power our service. And and you know, I, I think that everyone will end up following the technology and the adoption, and it's inevitable. And the question will become what business models among the big cell companies, how will those business models need to change? But but it's it's inevitable that they will change based upon the technology and where it's going.
0: Right. Do you um, I had another question, I was just trying to remember what it is, what it was. Uh, I want to ask you this first. Do you have any plans for international expansion? Because we've not seen yet uh, these Wi-Fi first type business models arrive in Europe. I think as far as I know, Freedom Pop has a plan for the UK. Uh, don't know the specifics of it. But how about Republic? Uh,
1: the coolest thing about international on Republic is, is only it's really only germane for the US, which is every Republic subscriber that goes overseas on Wi-Fi can call the US and be called from the US for the cost of their plan. But we don't have any specific plans in the near term to go anywhere else at the moment. The the technology though will be applicable. All the breakthroughs we're making will be applicable in many jurisdictions, but all of our capital uh, is being deployed in the U.S. to perfect the service and only after that will we uh, really go after additional markets.
0: Very good. And in terms of the Wi-Fi footprint, the infrastructure footprint that you use, yeah. Do you, um, can you explain where that comes from? Because some of the some of the uh, other Wi-Fi first service providers don't actually team up with anybody. They just use whatever open, free or Wi-Fi people have access to. The other option, of course, is to team up with somebody who has it. Somebody like Boingo or IPASS or or Cape yeah. or somebody like that who has aggregated the footprint of some sort.
1: Um, yeah. Can you explain your approach there. Uh, so, Klaus, our approach has been to solve for your office and your home, and third-place Wi-Fi, public-place Wi-Fi was a nice-to-have for us, not a must-to-have. So. The business model was premised upon the 85% of the time that you're you know, at home or office, and that was enough for us to get off the ground. We should soon be able to add aggregated hotspot partners in a single sign-on or credentialed way within the phone experience so that you don't have to always credential into an airport or a hotel network, um, and there's a lot of uh, upside uh, for us to do that, but uh, our approach has been to grow it off of your home and office Wi-Fi environments only.
0: Very good. David, can I ask you just again about LTEU? Because one, I'm also one of the people that are very concerned about it. Uh, if you ask me as an analyst, I don't think it, it, will, it will happen at scale. Uh, but I am concerned about, uh, um, potentially, the, the, the effect it will have. And are we yeah. doing enough in the Wi-Fi industry to address this issue? I know, you know Google has voiced their concerns. Obviously, Wi-Fi Alliance. Uh, but the forces that, if you like, the, the, the marketing machine and, and the publicity machine we're up against uh, uh, with uh, you know, the folks on the cellular side is is big, right? Are, are we doing enough, and, and should we do more, and if so, how?
1: That's a fair question, Klaus. I think that uh, there's a lot at stake, no question about it. But I'm uh, fundamentally optimistic or bullish that uh, the right thing will be done. And- uh, for a couple of reasons. The first is, if, if I've invested in a hotspot and hardware in my home and in my office to support um, my network, my devices, and suddenly I have an invasive protocol that's messing with that environment, no one's going to stand for that. So the practical reality is that Wi-Fi's ascendancy has already got a spent amount of infrastructure involved and so I think you'll have folks who really do react. The other is, you know, it would be interesting to respond to LTE with the following. We're fine with LTEU if we can have Wi-Fi L, which is to say, if we can, you know, if I can push the Wi-Fi protocol on Verizon's licensed band in the office and home, that's a great trade. I'll take that trade all day. You want to use? You want to use LTEU? Give me Wi-Fi L.
0: I say we propo- David. I say we propose that. I'm gonna I'm gonna send a letter.
1: Send a letter oh. to Verizon say we want to use. Wi-Fi <laughs> yeah. it's it's Klaus's initiative. It's yes. It's, we'll call How it Frederick. Can it's if we can get. If we can get Frederick to sign on, the three of us can support it, and let's publish <laughs> Wi-Fi L. <laughs> the Wi-Fi L is really
0: really good. I haven't heard that one before. Really good. David, it's really great uh, to have you on the show. I wish you lots and lots of luck with the thank Republic you. and all the other activities, and I want you to come back and tell us more uh, in, in not too long. Okay? So, And I also know you have to catch a flight, so we're going to leave it here. But thank you so much for coming on and sharing your thoughts.
1: Thank you as well, Klaus and Frederick. Look forward to getting together sometime soon. And thanks for all the great work to both of you.
0: Welcome. Okay. Good to see uh, you. You bet. Uh, all right. That was David Morkin of Republic Wireless, and uh, we're on to our next guest. And I've actually been chasing Frederick Youngerman to come on and do a video, video interview with me for a long time. And he's a very busy man. He's working as an analyst uh, as a telecom efficiency analyst one of the few in the world if not the only one um, and uh, I'm very happy that you're on the show Frederick uh, welcome to Wi-Fi now
2: thank you so I'm still smiling here on my end about uh, David's um, Wi-Fi L
0: uh, Wi-Fi L, yes I love that so I think we should start a club we uh, we read down a, a What's it called? Uh, uh, memorandum or something we said, oh, I think it's great. So, uh, Frederick, let's talk about what carriers are doing around the world uh, with Wi-Fi, how they're using it to boost their businesses or not. And you've been studying this uh, for a while now. You've written a couple of reports on this issue where you take a, I think it's fair to say, a global view where you look at what the various carriers across the world are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the, here's the billion-dollar question. Have, they, have carriers, generally speaking, been successful uh, from a, an efficiency point of view, a financial point of view, in incorporating Wi-Fi into their service fabric, if you like? And if so, how do you see that success having come about?
2: And that's a very good question. So it's a million-dollar question, then, obviously, Klaus. But um, uh, I think Wi-Fi is very powerful, when it comes to one aspect uh, and, and that's customer loyalty. And uh, a lot of operators globally have realized that uh, if I um, include Wi-Fi in my offering, uh, I am actually will be able to keep on to my customers. They will keep on to me a bit longer than they otherwise would have. Um, but the reporting of it is, is obviously scattered and not too much about it. Um, so you have to guess here and here and there. But if, if you put up my first um, my first picture there, yeah,
0: I'll yeah, can it you can
2: exemplify. It.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah. Um, so we can see here now that there are a number of operators um, that originally started their Wi-Fi approach, like BT in, in the UK, like uh, Telia in, in uh, Sweden, and, uh, and like uh, the cloud. Uh, which is actually owned by Sky, the, the broadcaster in the UK, all of them have actually changed names of, the, of their Wi-Fi uh, offerings. So uh, not only have they brought up their own brand names in it, but they also added Wi-Fi. And, and clearly, you know, Wi-Fi as a term or Wi-Fi as a word is very powerful when it comes. To, it speaks very well with customers. And that's the reason why operators want to bring it up. So that's an indication of success. You could also look at, um, you know, Asia, countries like, very advanced countries like Korea and Japan, and you can see that mobile operators in those countries have built hundreds of thousands of Wi-Fi hotspots. Um, Actually, as many or even more as what they built uh, cellular base stations. And, um, of course, they wouldn't have done that um, just random as a test. This, This is clearly adding value to their business.
0: Right. So is there any, so if we talk about the t- retention model where you give away, presumably in most cases it's given away, uh, giving away free WiFi. Is there any evidence uh, uh, that you've seen, financial evidence to, to public evidence to, to support that this is actually working out for them?
2: Yeah, we can, we could look at, I mean, we should separate now perhaps cable codes or, or MSOs that as mm-hmm. um, call it in the States, um, uh, the cable TV operators, when when they used Wi-Fi, when they included, uh, we've seen examples from, from Europe, for example, of operators being able to report lower churn on their base services, their base television services, because they included Wi-Fi to it. Um, so I think um, you know, it, it is, there is a number of things you can do as an operator to you know, keep customers, to keep them loyal, and, and Wi-Fi is probably one of the more powerful ones. Mm-hmm. It's also interesting if we look at my second uh, picture there, yeah. the one on on Singtel, uh, you could see that Singtel did, and this is, you would say, you would perhaps say that this is not rocket science, this is not super advanced, but what they did is, is very, very good because they increased their ARPU. They said, okay, let's create a new type of plan, which we call the combo plan. Combo basically means mobile plus Wi-Fi. So from now on, dear customers in in Singapore, you will will go with us. um, You would not only get mobile data, you would also get Wi-Fi Mm -hmm. included. And then they raise the prices with something like two uh, Singapore dollars. So Mm
1: -hmm.
2: um, if you didn't like that, if you didn't like that price increase, you could obviously go to someone else than Singtel. There are two other mobile operators in Singapore. Interesting thing is that they really actually gained customers after that change, and they also gained uh, RPU obviously because everyone is now pay- paying more.
0: So that's actually one of the few ca- cases. Correct me if I'm wrong. Where an cool. operator has has embraced Wi-Fi and actually get people to pay more for access to Wi-Fi hotspots in on, on the network.
2: Yeah, and, and I mean they gave some new numbers now, and and they. Uh, the usage is 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 high among their user base. And they also implemented the EIP SIM so that um, terminals automatically go on Wi-Fi as quickly as they can. Um, and I, I think you know it's one of few models. Um, you, you might call it not super advanced, but it maybe we're going in a direction where eventually you know mobile operators will say, Dear customer, you don't need to care on what technology your call or your data transmission is is carried on 2G, 3G, 4G or Wi-Fi, we will take care of that for you and you will be charged according to how much you use. So sort of a technology agnostic monetization model in which a megabyte is a megabyte, it costs the same and it Mm. will always be carried where it's actually best carried.
0: So Uh, is that happening? Is that actually happening anywhere to your knowledge? I'm not a super expert on the Korean market, but I know they are doing some super advanced things in carrier Wi-Fi in Korea.
2: No, I mean I. I think your your start was right, uh, Klaus. Um, most operators today are are giving Wi-Fi away, so you can say that you know the pricing of mobile data is is essentially too high because the pricing of Wi-Fi data is is uh, zero. Then so <laughs> the the average is is approximately right. So I think the first operator who dares to actually start counting the allowances to raise the caps to a much higher level than today and start including public Wi-Fi in it as well. Right. Could actually be quite successful with it.
0: Uh Uh-huh. So if we turn to one of the other business models that have at least been suggested and I suppose to some extent is at a nascent stage of Of being accepted, Uh, it's it's the idea of giving offering personal data uh, in return for free Wi-Fi, and uh, we we're already seeing various companies working along this path. And how do you see that? Do you think that's a viable model for going forward?
2: Yeah, and we've seen some um, you know evidence on that people are willing to give up whatever to get get Wi-Fi. I I think it's very much a pricing thing. You know, if as long as there's a big price differential between how data is carried on mobile network or Wi-Fi, then people are willing to to give up their credentials and, and Facebook uh, aliases and uh, email addresses and you, you name it in order to get Wi-Fi. But, but honestly, I think the awareness is slowly increasing on the security risks uh, on, on public Wi-Fi. And that's also an opportunity for operators because if they can offer carrier-grade Wi-Fi, with uh, security and without privacy risk, uh, people might actually be willing to pay for that.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and, and and security is a big thing. I know that for carriers, and I actually had one gentleman from Orange uh, come to one of my conferences, and his first slide was a picture of the Twin Towers. This was his view of Wi-Fi security. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's a big thing, no question about it. Um, so if we start maybe talk a little bit about cable operators, and their role in yep. increasing uh, Wi-Fi and so on. Uh, how do you see um, them approaching the mobile market with a Wi-Fi offering of sorts? Is that is that something you see a future in?
2: Absolutely. And I mean, cable operators have great asset in the fact that they they connect millions of homes in countries, and which means that they they cover actually large parts of the countries. And it's it's very easy to use the. Uh, home gateways of people as uh, Wi-Fi gateways as home spots, um, which is very cost-effective for for the MSO or for the cable operator, and and the primary driver to do this I think is that you know cable operators normally do not have a mobile license, uh, but with this type of solution they can be mobile or they can be semi-mobile, so it's sort of a Wi-Fi first approach of cable operators and and the primary. Objective is to disrupt the market, uh, disrupt the mobile players, uh, disrupt the integrated operators that have both mobile and fixed. Um,
0: and and in the case where it's it's uh, it's a cable operator uh, with a, who's also an MVNO, for example, that strengthens presumably the the, the home spot slash MVNO business yeah. case.
2: and and there you have a totally different driver class because. Um, if if you take Telenet in Belgium, which is a great example of a cable co, has been very early with uh, with Wi-Fi and home we, spot. Have a,
0: we have a slide for that actually. Should yeah, I don't uh, bringing
2: that up. You can hold it on a few seconds. Um, yeah. But, all right, never mind. Uh, <laughs> you can um, you can they could actually save on their MVNO bill because being an MVNO is normally not very profitable. Um, but if you can actually carry as a cable co, if you can offload, sorry for using the term traffic. <laughs> from from the mobile network, which is not your network, onto your own Wi-Fi network. You're gonna save a fortune. Um, and if we if we have that uh, picture up now on, on uh, Telenet, you could see that there's a significant share of their traffic, uh, out of home traffic, which is actually offloaded. Um, so Telenet customers, when they're out of home, they're they're using a majority, the majority of the traffic is is actually carried over Hot and home spots, rather than over mobile. So, so
0: actually, I remember that right exactly. I remember that slide well. But it, it's it's predominantly home spots. It's carried over. There's also some yep. public Wi-Fi, but it's actually a big percentage difference between the people using it or not. But this is actually proof that the home spot model actually can carry a lot of data. Yep.
2: And, and Telenet is also an example of someone who actually monetized on it because they, they, when they increased their prices recently by the end of the year or the beginning of this year, they said that the specific reason for doing that was that people could save on their mobile bills because of the automatic offloading using EAP-SIM. Mm-hmm. So that's a way for, for Telenet to make money. Having said that now, and now Telenet is owned by Liberty Global uh, Bit disappointing to see that. What are these guys doing after having, you know, built this fantastic Wi-Fi proposition? Well, they still went and, and bought the third mobile operator in Belgium base. And now that's not accepted yet by um, uh, by EU etc. and regulate, regulators. But uh, um, maybe they were just opportunistic, um, or maybe they actually did see that they needed to start sourcing uh, with one million custom Global customers in Belgium—they're actually quite sizable, and, and maybe they felt that like they needed to own a mobile network mm. to get the right cost structure.
0: Mm. Yes, that 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 kind of messed up your, your very nice theory that you had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: the story was better before, but now, <laughs> now we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. No, it's good. No, um, I want to ask you about the Wi-Fi first business model as we see it in the United States. And I think uh, we recognize that America is is a. Is a different market than in Europe, where we where we have a lot more players actually. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, we've been uh, mobile broadband uh, um, uh, very strong in mobile broadband for many years. So, do you see a future for for that kind of business model in Europe, or are the prices still too low for that in Europe?
2: I, I think there is a future, but to be honest, um, you know, the, the decision recently to, to make um, roaming in EU a mandatory thing um, in June 2017 will, will make it less attractive uh, as an alternative. Because I think especially Fon's proposition has been that you can not only use you know, Wi-Fi out of home, you could actually out, be out of country as well. Which, yeah. which totally takes away the, the roaming issue, which has been a big issue in EU in general. But now, with the uh, decision of the politicians, uh, every operator, latest by June two thousand seventeen, will have to offer a mobile customer, um, you know, a roam like home type of solution, which might mean that this international aspect of Wi-Fi roaming. Yeah. But, but let's see. I mean, I'm sure there, um, the prices uh, are lower in Europe compared to US. And, and uh, that might mean that there are less uh, push for it compared to US. Uh, but uh, I'm sure someone will give it a try. And then um, they might well come from the States. Yes, I think you're
0: right in that. Mm. Very good. So, uh, Frederick, in your experience and from all the analysis work that you've done in this space. And by the way, we're going to post a link uh, on the website below this report, so that people can download the, your very good report. Um, in your experience, what would you recommend for carriers? I know it's a very big question. Get carriers who want to use Wi-Fi to their benefit. I mean, I think it's you know obviously it depends on whether you're cable, and you know what kind of what kind of uh, configuration you're working with. Any final brilliant thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I think operators in general, you know, or telcos in general, they, they should associate, they should realize how powerful it is to associate yourself with the term Wi-Fi or with the word Wi-Fi. And so do that. One of the best things you can do to keep your customers loyal is likely to include Wi-Fi, public Wi-Fi, in whatever mobile plans you're selling. So make it somehow technology agnostic. Look at how Singtel done or, or make it even more advanced. Um, because if you can come with a combined um, carrier-grade proposition towards customers, you you could definitely prosper. Customers aren't happy for Wi-Fi predominantly because it's free, but they're also worried about the security and privacy risks. So do it carrier-grade. Do it with your own brand and in a controlled and integrated way, and uh, Mm -hmm. that will be...
0: And also, for example, in Europe, uh, it's a very different situation than in the U.S., where there's a lot of Wi-Fi, a lot more than 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 in Europe, uh, certainly public access Wi-Fi outside of the hotspots. Uh, sorry, the home spots. There's a lot of home spots in Europe, right? Mm. So, it's a different situation, right? Do we need would carrier European carriers need to start going out and actually uh, making this happen themselves? Building more Wi-Fi hotspots out there—is that a viable option, or do they need to partner with somebody who would be willing to build it? It's that's that's a complex issue, right?
2: Yeah, and I think we will see both models. I I, I believe telcos, traditional telcos incumbents that believe in this, they will start doing it on their own, or they will partner with someone like Fon, for example. Uh, but I think we'll see new aggregators coming into the picture. And you know, why do it yourself if there's someone you can source it from? There are. There are ways to control quality, SLAs, etc., so that you can guarantee that mm. your customers are given priority and high quality. Mm-hmm. Great stuff, Frederick!
0: I thank you so much for being on the show this week, and we want to hear more from you. We're also going to post a link uh, to Frederick's report. It's very good, and uh, you've got to download that. And also, by the way, Frederick is speaking at our. Uh, Wi-Fi Now, Amsterdam event. The conference coming up in November, uh, and you also get to meet him in person. So please make sure that you come and meet all of us there. Thanks, brother. All right, so the last thing I want to say today is what we're going to do on next week's show. And this is exciting, because on next week's show, we're going to be talking about Google Project Fi. Now, not with the Google people, because I don't think I can get the Google people to come on the show. Although, if you are listening, Google people, Please come on the show. Uh, I've, however, managed to uh, uh, actually so a gentleman by the name of Nicholas Armstrong, he's VP of engineering of Pravala, came to me and asked me, can I show my findings on your show? And I said, absolutely. And what he has done is he's tested the Google Fi product very carefully. And he has, from a technical point of view, to figure out how, how all the uh, handoffs and everything works. He's going to come on next week. And we're going to pick apart uh, what Google is doing technically on the device side with handoffs and everything uh, on next week's show. So that's going to be fun. Also, very important, LTE Wi-Fi aggregation, or LWA. What is that? Well, next week, we're going to have Qualcomm come on the show. It's going to be my good friend, Gerardo Giaretta. He's the program manager and brains behind the LWA work that Qualcomm is doing. It's a very very promising way of combining LTE and Wi-Fi into a single stream of data to and from your device. It's completely different from LTEU. I like it a lot better. We're going to have Gerardo come on and explain all of that. It should get a lot more attention, hopefully, after next week. So two things next week. Google Fi, Google Project Fi, I should say, and LWA, join us. And uh, it's, as usual, same place, same time, right right here on Wi-Fi Now. TV. Thanks to all my guests, David Morkin and Frederick Jungerman. See you here next week. Thanks, everybody. Wi-Fi Now is a production of RCR TV News. To suggest a show topic or to learn more about Wi-Fi Now events, you can reach Klaus Heading at klaus at headingconsulting.com. To find out more about Wi-Fi Now and all things wireless, visit rcrwireless.com.